0: Will here, bringing you another Customers Who Click episode. Today's guest is James Bartk, founder of the ASO Co., now part of Jellyfish Group, where he's the chief solutions officer for mobile. He's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, both at and Saatchi Performance and his own company, the ASO Co., where he worked with the likes of eBay, Spotify, and Facebook. James will join me today to talk about ASO and the importance of a proper ASO strategy for any business in the mobile space. We'll also talk a bit about free versus paid apps, common mistakes that companies make in the mobile space and some of the big trends he's expecting over the next 12 months. ASO started to uh, become pretty big just as I was moving out of the mobile space specifically and turning my attentions more towards uh, conversion optimization and marketing automation. I remember a lot of the talk those days was more about the searchability and visibility of an app in the store whereas as we'll come to learn shortly there's a lot more to it but that's for James to explain so let's get him on. Hi James, welcome to the podcast tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, why do you do what you do? And uh, and how did you get into ASO?
1: Hi, Will. So uh, thank you very much for having me. So my name's uh, James Bart. As you said, I'm the Chief Solutions Officer for Mobile, uh, currently within the Jellyfish Group. Um, prior to that, was the CEO and founder of the ASO Co, uh, which was acquired by the Jellyfish Group in September 2018. Uh, why do I do what I do is quite an interesting question. Um, the reason I currently do ASO is really simple actually. So I used to work in um, a very large mobile media agency. And you know, on a daily basis, we were spending, you know, millions of dollars um, in, on some clients, you know, on a monthly basis and driving a lot of traffic um, to the app store. And it was very rare that we actually looked um, you know, at what was happening on the actual page in, in the app store. When you actually look at what's happening uh, within the app store, which is for the most part, for most mobile first businesses, that is the primary landing page. For most clients, we, we see the conversion rate of people landing on there to installing uh, is really low. So there are lots of businesses out there um, spending a lot of time and effort and resource on driving people to their app store page. Um, but the amount of people um, that actually convert in most cases can be, you know, sub ten or fifteen percent. Um, so the reason we do what we do is is, is quite simple. It's 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 educating people on um, how to encourage mobile growth, and you know, it's it's helping people to get more out of every single um, piece of activity um, that they um, that they're running. Um, and also, I think what's fascinating about ASO, which is what I absolutely love, is that you know that it's a relatively low cost process um, that can have a massive impact. So if you're a very big business that is generating a lot of installs, you know just by changing the creative um, can have can have a really big impact. So that's really exciting for me. You know you don't need to spend you know millions of pounds in order to to drive lots of um, lots of further adoption. Um, so the reason why I do it is because you know, it's all organic, um, I think there's lots of opportunity for businesses big and small to be able to, to do this, either in a more complex way like us or on a, on a, in a more basic way and still see results. And also, as a process, it's still really new. So with lots of other processes, they're all very well documented and quite mature Whereas with ASO we are still working it out, and that's really exciting for me and the rest of the team. Uh, which is why you know getting out of bed in the morning is still relatively easy, uh, because I know that when we come into the office, we're going to be coming up with new and kind of different and, and more exciting ways of um, you know of, of running this process.
0: Okay, great. So, so it's not kind of. Um... It's not really like SEO, but for the app store, it's kind of a mix of SEO, how do, you, how do people find the apps, but also kind of conversion rate optimization. When people do find the apps, are they seeing what they expect to see there? Are they getting the information they need, the images and things to make them go, yeah, actually, this is the app I want to download?
1: Yeah, so very, very simply, um, we kind of describe ASO, uh, the kind of one-liner is it's the process of improving uh, organic visibility through search and improving uh, conversion rate of App Store uh, landing page um, to install. Um, Those are kind of the two main factors. However, um, as time has progressed, there are lots of other factors that are are also coming into play that are more kind of product-driven, which which I think we'll talk about um, a, a a bit later. But yes, in simple terms, uh, that is what the process is. And, and, and why it's so important is you know, the recent stat from Apple uh, that they put out um, last year is that you know, just under 70% of all apps globally are discovered and installed through search. So that could be a brand search. It could be a generic search. For the majority of clients that we work with, um, even new prospects that we work with, you know, when we look at their metrics within the App Store, nine times out of ten, the percentage of installs from search is around 60 to 70%. Um, so it's absolutely vital for anyone with an app to be concentrating on improving their, their visibility um, within the App Store. Um, and to your point around, you know, is it just, is it similar to SEO for mobile? Um, we actually specifically say it's not SEO for mobile. And I think that's really important. Um, the algorithms within the app store are wildly different to the algorithms, um, on, on, on the web. So we actually speak to a lot of SEO people and very experienced SEO people, um, about their experience with trying to run ASO programs. And for the most part, um, they just don't, don't get it. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of knowledge of online, but you know, it's a completely different experience in the App Store, both from a metadata perspective, from a creative perspective, and then the other things that I alluded to earlier around you know, ratings and reviews. Um, now Google have been quite specific around how the app performs. It's going to affect your ability to grow. Um install rates, uninstall rates. So there's lots of other factors which are very specific to ASO and um driving mobile growth um, that are have got nothing to do with the web. So it is really important that um, you know you are focusing on app store specific metrics as opposed to um you know SEO tactics.
0: So they're able to look at yeah, like like you said, install and uninstall rates do they see, can they see much engagement in the apps themselves or is that kind of, that's the private data for the companies. So they don't, they don't get an idea of, uh, if someone, if someone uninstalled the app 12 months later, do they just see the install, the uninstall dates or do they get a bit more info?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, Apple and Google have obviously all of that, all of that information, um, installs, uninstalls, retention, churn rates, sales, um, Frequency of update, absolutely everything, and I think I think um, you know if someone installs the app and uninstalls it in a year's time, I don't think that's going to make a difference to your ASO. However, you know if you are driving and if you are spending a lot on, uh, uh, for example, on, on on poor media channels or media that may have fraud included in it. Which will generate an install, an uninstall automatically or straight away. Um, that is going to have a significant impact um, on your, your ability uh, to grow. The both algorithms really don't like significant amounts of uninstalls. It signals that either the product isn't good, and they're always going to rank a better product first, um, or you know you're trying to manipulate the app stores, which is a tactic that was used back in the day all around chart boosting and using incentivized media. And, you know, both Apple and Google have been quite vocal around these types of practices uh, and saying that, you know, they, they don't favor them. So it is really important that, you know, you, you are looking at all these metrics and not just, you know, what keyword do I rank for?
0: Yeah. On on the, on the topic of, uh, you know, manipulating the app store. I remember about, it must be like seven, eight, probably eight years ago. Um, I can't remember the name of the company, but they specialized in getting you 10 to 50,000 downloads. I think it, I think they just asked you to give away your app for free. So each day they'd have one free app on their, in their app. And for that day, yeah, your app is, is completely free to use or free to download. And then the idea was you'd get like 50,000 downloads, 100,000 downloads in a day massively boost your mm-hmm. app store ranking which would then get you the yeah. the organic downloads yeah. and then i think apple told them apple banned them and told them uh, they, they can't be a marketplace within a marketplace yeah which i suppose is, is kind of yeah, from yeah. their point of view
1: yeah and absolutely i mean and this is where there's been uh, an almost seismic shift within the app store and I think in, uh, in Google, yes, um, you know, the algorithm within, within Google Play is, 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 is pretty complex and, 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 and intelligent. Um, but Apple is definitely getting a lot better in terms of favoring quality over quantity. So the days of just buying loads of installs and you know, the, the, whoever's got the deepest pockets would get the most visibility. Those days are definitely coming to an end um and uh, rightly so you know apple should be and google should be favouring and promoting the the best products uh not the products that have the deepest pockets because you know the it's all about user experience for them uh and you know if it's very easy to uh get visibility of your product just by paying for it then that's not necessarily um the best uh, user journey um, you know for users of the app store, so all of these metrics that are in place uh, are put there specifically to encourage developers and uh, and essentially make them produce better products, and the better products are the ones that will get better visibility and I think it 's a great move from both of them uh, because you know i, I don 't want to be i don 't want to be shown uh, substandard products um, you know just because someone 's doing a chart boosting campaign. I want to search for something and, you know, whatever is, is the very best or, you know, the best three or the best five or whatever, you know, I, w- I want to be able to see them and I, and I should be shown them. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, it's a good move all around. However, it does make, um, it does make our jobs harder because, you know, two or three years ago, we could just do, uh, we could just produce a heavily optimized piece of metadata, you know, the written assets within the app store. So the title and the description and, you know, pretty quickly we would see really good results in terms of keyword positioning. Um, Whereas now, you know, there's these lots of other factors that we just spoke about. Um, So uh, having a more holistic view across your entire product um, is absolutely vital Um, when it comes to winning uh, within the app stores?
0: Absolutely. Um, You mentioned quality just earlier. Um, So my experience has been that it's been a lot harder to launch an app through Apple. Um, Or at least they've been, they're a lot stricter, um, is what I've seen. But once you're in the app store, do the different stores differ significantly in the approach you need to take towards ASO? Or can you kind of, you know, if you were a small team, for example, could you kind of take one strategy and run it on both?
1: No, we wouldn't recommend that at all. I mean, there are some, some quite big differences. Um, so, I mean, you've got, you've got various different areas that will have an impact. So in Apple, you've got the title, the subtitle, and then you've actually got some keywords that go in the back end. And then you've got the long description. Now, the long description Apple is primarily for conversion. So those keywords, well, we as a business, we actually optimize them anyway, but we're, we're pretty sure that actually the uh, the amount of indexation of those keywords within Apple is very low. Whereas within Google Play, you've got the title, you've also got the short description, which is around 80 characters, and then you've got 4,000 characters in the long description, which is fully indexed by the algorithm. Um, so if you take the same tactic for iOS as you do for Google, you're actually missing a massive trick there from multiple uh, perspectives. Also, um, in the way in which the apps are presented is very different. In iOS, when you search for something, you get the first three screenshots. You know, so those are really important on the icon. Whereas in Google Play, it's more of a list. So the icon is actually really important. And up until recently, um, uh, the screenshots in Google Play were essentially below the fold. So the format and the way that you optimise um, has to be platform specific. It's not a one size fits all. Um, and we understand that you know it's it's difficult for some teams and capacity is hard, but you know, if the app is, you know, one of your primary revenue streams, then really should be focusing um, on the individual platforms and looking at how they are presented and and what people see when they go in the app store because the, the two experiences are very, very different.
0: So I guess on, on, on that topic then, uh, are there any big or common mistakes you see uh, in mobile strategies?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the number one has to be not having the right tech. I mean, we see I see this time and time again. And I think a lot of businesses, they don't quite realize that technology for mobile and for apps um, is, again, is very different um, to online. So, you know, if someone has, you know, we talk to big businesses and they say, yeah, we use Adobe. You know, I'm like, you know, sort of put my head in my hands and it's like okay look we need to we need to rethink this especially if you're going to start investing in the product so having mobile specific technology um, for media for retention for you know push uh, for uh, analytics all of these things work very differently um, to how they work on the web so I think kind of primary primary uh, area that, that businesses don't get it right for a launch is not having the right technology and that really can make or break um, a business and if you're not, don't have the right data, you don't have the, 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 the right viewability on what's happening, you don't have the ability to optimize correctly, I mean there's so many things um, that 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 you that you'll be limited by um, if you don't have the right technology in place. Um, so that would be uh, like the number one. Before you even do anything, make sure you've got the right kind of tech stack in place. And a lot of vendors offer services for free. So even if you are a small company and you're thinking, "Well, this is that's going to cost a fortune," there are lots of these vendors that offer a very low usage package for startups. So there aren't any excuses, quite honestly. Um, and then I think the other the other kind of main one which we see a lot is just not not having um the right kPIs you know we still get people like fixated on cost per install and you know we've we've moved on a lot since then. if you've got the right setup, yes, cost per install is important. you do need to be monitoring it, but you know uh, looking at downstream funnel events and um you know before we started. Uh, this you, before you hit, you hit the record button, you were talking about l t v and lifetime value and modeling and stuff like that. you know all of that um you know is is very feasible within within mobile um, and I think the more you understand about your user and the more you understand about l t v um the more you 're going to get from all channels, whether it be paid or organic, because once you have an understanding of the value of that user it 's much easier um you know to invest back into growth. And if you don't have that understanding, it's very hard to invest and you just spend a lot of time trying to buy everything as cheap as possible when really you can afford to spend more because users are worth more.
0: Yeah, if you're going to have a mobile app, make sure you've got mobile-specific technology involved. Um, I guess even if you have a a massive web business, um, it it kind of makes sense. If if the tools you're using there are not too suitable for, for apps, go and get a different tool. Um, and, and just and have a separate, almost a separate tech stack, really.
1: Yeah, of, of course. I mean, look, look, there are some really good um, vendors that do both. And Jellyfish is quite is a big partner of Google, and I know that they've got some really exciting developments when it comes to you know looking at um, um, app to web, a uh, mobile web um, to web and to app, and and all those different journeys. Um, but but yes i mean for for a lot of businesses um yeah it, it's it's vital that you've got um a stack for both or at least a stack that caters for both um, but has mobile specific components
0: within it i mean definitely yeah and then uh, yeah on the kpi side i think it's it's not a problem that's uh you know exclusive to apps obviously but uh, a lot of businesses mm. Tend to focus on, on on KPIs that are a bit too top end of the funnel, um, and they're not re- not really considering whether they've got valuable engaged customers. Um, they're kind of looking at you know so someone might be, but you know you, you you'll get a report or asked, asked to be put a report together on yeah cost per install or cost per sign up, and actually you need to be looking at well are, are these people using the app? Are they spending money? Are they actually valuable? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, do you think? Uh, obviously, there are there are a few businesses you'd exclude, but is a mobile app kind of an essential for any B two C business now?
1: No, definitely not. I'm happy that we've actually moved on from everyone needs an app um, because you know when I got into this, you know, business a long time ago. Uh, and well, 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 I say that when the app store launched, uh, and a few years after, you know, it was like everyone had to have an app. Um, didn't matter whether you were e-commerce or brands. You know, everyone had to have an app, um, and it was ridiculous because you know there are all these ridiculous, all these apps being built by you know Bacardi or um, whatever and uh, no one was using them so people were spending a lot of money on on apps and no one was using them so i'm glad that we've kind of passed that that, that point um, you know an app is all about driving it's all about either driving revenue or i think it's about driving value or it's about driving retention right so if you've got an app that drives revenue then absolutely it makes sense If you um, have an app that um, drives value and brand value, so it might be, you know, looking up an insurance policy or understanding, um, you know, I don't know, a a travel planner or something that that is associated with your brand and actually has like a really, really uh, large value proposition to your users. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the other side is, is for retention. So, you know, apps, uh, apps are very useful and actually quite engaging when it comes to um, retaining existing users um, and also really good for research as well. So, I mean, travel is a, is a great example of that. You, you, know, you don't book your holiday. Uh, you don't book a holiday every, every month. I mean, most people don't anyway. I, I, I certainly don't. Um, but, you know, it's important for brands like Hotels.com and various others um, or, you know, Skyscanner or Price, whoever it is, um, you know, to remain and to, to remain engaged um, with users uh, in order for them to then either research on the app or obviously book through the app. So I think, I think if there's a very clear value proposition, which I know sounds really obvious, um, then, then it does make a lot of sense. Um, and then the other ones that we see as well is, you know, these kind of more uh, companion type apps. So uh, I wouldn't say banking, but more, um, yeah, definitely the insurance sector. I think um, in this kind of savings sector, I think is really interesting. So a lot of, you know, a lot of it is done online, but then you can kind of check how your savings are doing or if you're playing the stock markets or, or whatever, whatever that, that might be. Um, or if you in gaming a lot of I know, there's a lot of um, console games have got companion apps which are quite useful uh, for doing different things on um, and actually more recently I saw uh, a really good example of um, using a, um, an app for security so uh, you know you, you, you log in online then it sends the app a code you click yes on the app and then you're automatically logged in online So I think there's I think there's quite a few use cases um, of having a really valuable app, but I think without that very very solid use case, um, which should have a very clear path to value for both you and the user, um, then just don't do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember, yeah, kind of eight nine years ago when when things were really kicking off and every single company out there launched an app. And uh, particularly in e-commerce, you basically just got the same experiences on site. And, you know, it might be might be cool to use once or twice and test it out. But if you're not, you know, you, you don't shop on an e-commerce site on the same e-commerce site every day or you know, a couple of times a week, whereas games and like companion apps and things you would use, you know, travel apps, companion apps to travel sites. Um, you know, you can sit there kind of picking places you want to go or finding bits of inspiration and it is stuff you can do on an everyday basis. Um, so yeah, I think it's really good, uh, really good point. That's, uh, you know, re- really need to consider whether a mobile app actually offers value to to your customers and therefore your business. And then, and then, and then it actually goes
1: back to, to KPIs actually because especially in travel, I mean, this might not be so relevant now, but I remember a, a while back You know, with someone like Skyscanner, for example, a lot of people research on Skyscanner but will purchase online. So it's really important important to have the right tech stack along with the right KPIs in order to understand, you know, what what the value of mobile is there. Because if you just looked at mobile sales, you might think, oh, okay, well, actually, we're not really getting much value out of the app. um, So why are we investing in it? But the reality is that the value might not be directly seen through the app, but the app is what tees it up. Um, and there has to be value added to that and attributed um, you know, to that research phase, especially, you know, especially if, you're, if you're a business that has an app and a website, but most transactions happen on the website, but there is an ability to, to search or browse on the app. I think those things really need to be considered. Um, uh, and a lot of the time they, they either aren't or I think a lot of businesses struggle to understand you know, how to set themselves up correctly in order to um, to, to monitor and analyze that behavior.
0: Yeah, I think that, that's definitely something where, where an agency or an expert is probably going to be really valuable to, to a business. Um, it's a really interesting point about Skyscanner, actually. As an affiliate site, or well, mainly an affiliate site, I think now, um, you kind of know that you're going to click out to Ryanair or, you know, just any, you're going to click out to another website to actually make your, your booking. So on an app Mm. experience, it's, it's not so great. And I also think that there's problems where the product requires a lot of like thought and attention. You know, there are lots of little add-ons and terms and conditions and little bits that you need to, to, to take into account when you're making that purchase. And I think a lot of people feel com- more comfortable making them on a desktop where they feel they can see, or a laptop where they can feel they can see all the information on one screen, as opposed to a mobile where it's quite easy to to get lost a little bit.
1: Uh, 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 absolutely. Uh, and I think it's it's a lot better now. But yeah, five years ago, I think that was one of the main, or maybe a bit longer than five years ago. Because um, obviously scanners mm-hmm. we're talking about, Skylanders, so specifically, you know, they're obviously a fantastic product, and they've got you know huge engineering teams, and they, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant experience. But in the early days, you know, they worked with so many affiliates that uh, a large portion of them, yeah, were, were not mobile optimized. So you would click, you would click through from you know this lovely experience in the app, and then you would get to a non-optimized mobile page, um, which obviously is is never going to work. Um, I mean, it works sometimes, obviously, but you know that experience um, is is really is really not good uh, for the user. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's 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 all about having having uh, either the right experience in app or obviously attributing that research phase to mobile um, and you know giving it giving it some credit where credit's due.
0: Um, So something we've not really really touched on at all, actually, is um, kind of paid and freemium apps. Um, Obviously, it's a big decision for people to make, especially if they're um, a startup or someone who's launching their own app um, for the first time and they don't have an existing business. Um, Do you think there are any key things to consider when choosing whether you want to launch a paid or a freemium app uh, from an ASO point of view?
1: I'll, I'll tackle it from an ASO perspective and then just from a, from a user perspective. Um, from an ASO perspective, yes, it, it does have a massive impact. Um, the main ones um, is... So in Apple uh, specifically, uh, on the search results, there is a, a conversion rate attributed to every time someone searches for something and then clicks on a product. So for example... If I search for travel and um, I click Skyscanner and people click Skyscanner every time they saw travel, the chances that Skyscanner would go up for that keyword is very high because their click-through rate on that specific keyword is very high. Now, if you're a travel brand and it's a paid app and someone isn't looking for a paid app, um, then no one's going to click on you. And in fact, for the most part, with those types of products, you know, people will naturally go to a freemium because a freemium is not a free app. It's free, but then will generally carry a premium for the most part. Um, but if it's paid from the start, uh, your conversion rate for lots of keywords is going to be really low. So actually, when you are a paid app, your ability to rank highly for search terms uh is actually it actually uh, decreases quite significantly. Um, so, from an ASO perspective, um, paid apps are generally much harder to drive significant organic visibility and growth within the app stores. So, definitely something to uh, to consider. So do you um,
0: think um, if you if you really really wanted to launch a paid app, do you think potentially a better idea is to actually use other marketing channels or web-based marketing channels and build up kind of audiences that you then push to the app store. You kind of build that relationship with people first and kind of convince uh, well, yes, them that I, they need to pay rather I, than trying absolutely. to rely on the organic.
1: Yes, I, I think definitely. And, and also I think the, the thing to point out there is that, you know, ASO is one strategy, right? It's, it's one part of what should be a much bigger marketing mix, you know, I think, I think people who, uh, not many people do this, but some do, you know, they think ASO is the kind of, um, you know, the only thing they need to do, uh, but it's not, you know, you still need to uh, drive, um, you know, uh, brand affinity um, and you still need to do all those other things in order to, to get people engaged. So a hundred percent, I think if you've got um, an app that you need to pay for straight away, um, yes, there are lots of other channels that you can drive acquisition through. Where you can maybe where you can maybe tell the story a bit better, um, you know. There are obviously you can run paid, which still appears at the top of the app stores. Both um, if you run it on Google UAC or if you run it um, through Apple Search Ads. So there are, there is that ability to do it through paid and still appear, you know, where you need to be. Um, but yeah, from from an organic perspective, it's it's a lot harder. Um, and then I think just generally, um, history has shown us that um, any any app that's a, a wall garden uh, from you know from the from the get from the uh, from the first install, um, generally the conversion rates um, to either registration or to sale tend to be a lot lower. And unfortunately, we do live in this world of uh, free consumption. And I think even just giving someone a little bit of content or a sneak preview, or or something like that, uh, I think will make uh, your conversion rate a lot higher. So generally, uh, not not with everything, because you know not everything should be free. Uh, but for the most part, freemium apps are a lot easier to, uh, definitely a lot easier to grow, a lot easier to grow organically. Um, generally, we see higher conversion rates. Uh, not just from install, but obviously install to registration and registration to purchase. Um, So, yeah, I think all these things need to be considered unless, you know, you are, you know, uh, what's a good example? You know, you're TomTom, I don't know, TomTom, for example. You've got a massive web presence. You know, you've got significant amounts of traffic. You've got a huge database and you've got a product that is a paid product. And I think at that point it obviously makes a lot of sense. Um, but like everything, I think without people kind of knowing the feel, look, and feel of how a product is, you know, I think there's generally some reluctancy to pay before they've played.
0: Yeah, I guess for for someone like TomTom, Tom, it's almost uh, an additional accessory. So pre- people have probably got a GPS. Their GPS, aren't they?
1: I think I think nowadays, you know, TomTom Tom, having an actual TomTom Tom in your car is. The actual unit, I mean, I haven't seen a unit for, for I can't even think how long. Yeah, it's probably been, think, been a while, actually. A long time, yeah. I, I don't even, I mean, I, I, I'm sure they probably do sell them and I'm sure people just want them in the cars and they don't want to use the phones. But I imagine the their app is, is, is maybe not primary. I mean, I've got no idea. I don't know anything about their data or how they're currently running. But I mean, it's not very often that you kind of see... A TomTom stuck in the window—it's usually a phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. So oh, sorry, what I meant was, uh, yeah, for the people who have one, or, um, or, or I, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they're installed in cars. As in TomTom have them installed in cars? I'm not too sure, but the app is therefore like kind of an accessory. It's something you can use in addition. But for the people who don't have it already, um, because TomTom is a paid thing. Yeah. The yeah, they they view the app as just that product, but but in an app form on their phone. Yeah. 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 Um. Well, I think it's it's really interesting that you know people will people will spend like fifty quid on you know FIFA or you know other games or whatever, and yet the idea of paying even like ninety nine p for an app seems to just mm. put off everyone. Uh, do you think we're always going to be in this situation where? A, a paid app um, unless you're in that kind of tom tom situation a, a paid app is going to be really really difficult to to grow um, like that or not, you know we're always going to look at freemium
1: mainly i mean not not necessarily i mean the again i think it all comes down to quality and i think the most beautiful example of this is monument valley uh, which was a game produced by the guys at um, Us Two, which is an app development agency, and it was fully paid for. In fact, it was expensive, but the game was so good, the graphics were so amazing, and the the, the audio was just um, uh, unbelievable. Um, that that game just abs- it was a it was an unknown game, and it literally just flew it just flew off the shelves because you know what they show people in the video and screenshots and everything else was you know it was it was unbelievable and you know that game continues to you know to do extremely well uh, for the business and you know apple have featured it and i think it might have been game of the year at one point um so i think there's definitely um examples of unknown games that are paid that have done really really well um but i think the challenge is that You know, that was quite, it was quite niche and it was, you know, it was a nice game. I think, yeah, with, with more generic games, I think the problem is that there's just so many free games, uh, whether it's hyper casual or RPG or whatever, um, going in with paid. Yeah. Unless you've got some sort of brand affinity or or some kind of existing user base, it is, it is quite difficult. Um, but having said that, I, I don't know how much it matters because, you know, in that purchase is where the bulk of the revenue comes from. So it is free, but it's not free. It is free up into a point. And, you know, that is the the loop of, of the you know of the of the gaming world is you know hook in with um, you know with a few levels. Uh, and you know, once they they are comfortable and like the game. And that's where the the money starts to get spent either to unlock not new worlds or coins or ships or whatever it whatever it might be so I think if we're talking gaming specifically um you know they might be free but only to a certain point so I'm not sure it 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 matters if it's you know free or or not free if it's a good if it's a good game that is
0: yeah if it's a good game and you've got Got a way to monetize it uh, within the game, um, and I, I think yeah. a lot of them tend to focus on uh, kind of that speed and convenience of speed. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're pretty good at the game, rushing through the levels, uh, you might find that you have to actually pay to to continue. Whereas other people who are happy to to wait out the game, obviously it depends on the type of game, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, do, you, do you see any big trends coming up in mobile over the next? maybe 12 to 18 months and any big things people should be looking out for or considering when they're, when they're building their apps.
1: I think this kind of siloed uh, way of looking at mobile is definitely starting to shift. I mean, we've been talking about holistic mobile strategies for a long time, but the reality is that a lot of businesses still don't have that joint up approach to how it works. And again, a lot of that boils down to the technology because they don't have that technology. Um, so I think we are going to see um, a lot more um, joint-up strategies um, for, for businesses. Interestingly, you know, I was reading a piece about a digital adoption and transformation due to the current situation that we're in uh, so I don't know when this podcast is going to go out or for anybody watching in the future, we're in the middle of a global pandemic <laughs> um, and we are literally currently isolated within our homes. Uh, so very sadly, um, you know, bricks and mortar stores and gyms and banks and everything's closed at the moment. And I think it's actually forced and is forcing a lot of businesses to start really considering their digital and mobile strategy. Um, So I think we'll see a lot more big businesses um, using more of these these types of strategies. Um, I think from a marketing perspective, I think people definitely are starting to look at kind of mobile, uh, sorry, paid and organic and um, products um, a lot more, a lot more holistically which again is something that we have essentially been forced into. Um, you know, I think the uh, product marketing role, which is a role that's been around for a while, but not as long as you know, lots of other roles, that, that uh, bridge between uh, products and the un- understanding of products, but also a really good understanding of marketing and how those two things together, I think we'll see more product marketing people and we'll start to see uh, those two things working together, rather than rather than having a development team over there and a marketing team over there. I think product marketing uh, is definitely going to start bridging that that gap um, a lot more, which I think is brilliant and it's it's perfect for for ASO. Um, and I think um, anything else. Well, I'd like I'd like I would really really like to see. More AR, uh, not VR. AR. Um, I think now that a lot of the devices and developer kits are all are all working quite quite well. Uh, the cameras work well with augmented reality. Um, I, I'd love to see more adoption of that and brands really taking advantage. Um, you know, we've seen people like. IKEA and various others um, do it, um, but I, I just think it's a really great way um, of of being able to look at something in your own home uh, close up um, in really really good quality to kind of see what it's like without phys- physically having to go somewhere. And I think the more we can start integrating that type of technology into marketing i think that's going to be um really interesting
0: but oh, so just on that on that ar topic it kind of it, it came out as a big a big hyped thing uh, a fair few years ago probably like eight, yeah probably again like seven eight years ago um and there was a company i can't remember the name of um who, who did it and they had they had a fairly good app um they did some collaborations with newspapers where you could kind of scan the newspaper and but certain adverts, yeah, I think. I think. Um, uh, Blipper. I, sorry? Yeah, Blipper. Um, oh, yeah. I think they've closed down now. And I wonder if back then people weren't ready for it, so it didn't really get adopted, and maybe now people are a little bit more hesitant about spending that oh. money and that investment on it.
1: Well, I think the, the main difference there was you, you actually said it. And um, the problem with Blipper was that you needed to have the app installed And you know, that was the set that I think that was the same reason why QR codes never really took off in the UK or in Europe actually, because you needed to have an app to read a QR code. Now, if you want to read a QR code, you just shove you put your camera in front of it and it reads it automatically. And if you want to use augmented reality for a lot of things, um all you need is the phone. So the technology is now embedded in the in the device you don't need or or it's or it's built into the app or the experience or whatever it is like i saw a, a great one recently i don't know if you've tried this but um it kind of it turns on and off so it, it's it can be a bit it, sometimes it appears sometimes it doesn't but if you google on your phone you know how how big is a wolf or how big is a bear or how big is a shark um google actually with your device it puts the bear in in your room the actual size so you know you can sit in your living room and have a full-size grizzly bear in front of your tv actual size uh, and I, you know you, you can do the same thing with a great white shark and you don't need any technology you just all you need is your phone for that so i think it's more about the uh, the adoption the technology in the phone uh, and that's what's going to increase the adoption it basically the barrier to entry is is much lower. And think Blipper were ahead of the time. The yeah. challenge with Blipper yeah. was you know, if you wanted to do it, you had to download the app, which is which is for a lot of people um, a big barrier. And a lot of markets, you know, especially when you know data usage is expensive or um, you know uh, memory size on phones mm. in certain markets is mm. still quite low. You know, downloading another app just to have a look at something is just never gonna happen.
0: Yeah, especially as it's um, you know, it's a brand people aren't familiar with, um, which again is gonna make it difficult. Whereas obviously if IKEA do it, the moment you talk about that, people know you're talking about AR to do with furniture. So mm. you, you kind of even without seeing the app or or seeing a description of it, you, you have a pretty good idea of what that app's gonna do. Um mm. Whereas yeah, something like Blipper, which was just AR technology in an app, um, I guess people may not maybe just didn't have a clue what to actually use it for. Um, really interesting tip about the Google thing. I'm gonna go have to try that out. I want to see how big a wolf is compared yeah. to uh, the dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, check it out. And then like they had a great white shark in my living room, which was brilliant especially as my wife was sat on the couch and it was basically eating her head
0: (laughs) (laughs) well for anyone listening yeah google how big is a animal on your phone and uh yeah see what happens yeah yeah um cool so i don't want to take up too much more of your time but uh do do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing
1: well i mean Given that we work, I work in you know in app marketing. The number one is you know people that assume you can launch an app and put it in the app store and and that's it. I mean that does really really annoy me. Um, the other the other one as well is I think there are a lot of businesses that have quite unreal unrealistic expectations of how much they can deliver from a certain amount of budget and it's yeah it, it it is quite frustrating when we speak to some businesses and they say we want to drive 10 million of sales and we go brilliant right what's the budget and they say well we've got 50 grand and you know we might be able to find a bit more the perception against reality sometimes is slightly jaded um so that's 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 a bit of a peeve, but they don't call the app the app store the graveyard of apps for nothing. You know there are hundreds millions that are inactive that you know are dreams of people um that either haven't done it correctly or you know haven't fully invested you know into the product um so yeah, I mean if you're going to do it, I think from our perspective you know, do it properly. There are lots of ways of doing it without a lot of budget, but then at some point, you know, you're going to need to uh, start investing in the product if you want it to really, really succeed. Um, unless, you know, don't get me wrong, there are a number of apps that have, you know, uh, gone viral and grown organically, but, you know, the amount of apps that haven't is far, far more.
0: Yeah, I don't, um, I don't hear too much about this uh, anymore actually but yeah there was a big thing about going viral with an app and and kind of the the kind of growth hacky people were, were really pushing that and saying well you know we'll, we'll launch this campaign for you we'll go viral with the app and and you're done and it's going to cost you mm. what 50 grand or whatever and then i think the yeah. expectation is when, when people that then while they're working on that campaign they're speaking to other potential partners and channels and they're thinking, well, you know, this, this launch campaign we're going to do is going to drive us so much revenue. The other channels are going to be easy. They're just they're, they're paid for already. Um, and then in reality, what happens is the viral campaign doesn't really go viral. Um, they might get you know a few thousand downloads or whatever, but it doesn't go viral. It doesn't bring in that revenue, which they were planning on using to actually uh, to, to funnel into the other channels.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to go viral is not a
0: is not a a strategy. So that's not really a viable business model. Uh, Um, So finally, uh, you've got your one marketing channel or tactic that you'd like to kill off. What is it and why?
1: Well, the one tactic that I would definitely kill off is is you know being fixated on being number one in the charts. I mean, it really. You talk about pet peeves. (laughs) This is also a peeve as well as um, something that I would, I would like to abolish. If you actually go in, so two things. First of all, Apple have moved the charts. So what they've done is they've moved the search. They've moved, they've moved, moved the search icon right next to your thumb and they've put a massive emphasis on search and a massive emphasis on editorial and curated content. I think it's like six clicks to get to the charts now. Six in order to oh, actually wow. go and see where okay. the charts are. They are buried deep within the app So Not only buried deep. Once you actually get there, you've got to scroll to the bottom of the page. Um, and we still get a lot of businesses saying, "Oh, we want to be number one in our category," and this type, of, you know, these types of things. I think historically, it has made a massive difference. Nowadays, it doesn't make a huge difference. And also, um, I'm saying this, but don't just take my word for it. If you look in the back end of um, of the App Store, you'll see that there are various different source types. And uh, there's one source type which is uh, views or installs from browse. Now, for the most part, for most businesses, that's less than 10%. And browse is any time that your app appears... Um, either in uh, in the category uh, or in the charts, so it's a very very low percentage, but a lot of businesses still have it as kind of a number one KPI, um, as you know for their mobile marketing efforts. And so, so for some people, it can make sense because you know, they might want to use it as part of a sales tool, you know, going out and saying, we're number one in the category or we're above our competitor. And I I get that. And that makes sense. But if it's just to be number one with no other KPI or no other reasoning, um, then spending money or focusing effort on that is quite frankly a waste of time.
0: Yeah, no, that was definitely a big thing a while ago. But yeah, so again, it comes down to, have a quality app, give people uh, good experiences, people will search for the apps they want, they'll find those apps, and the end result could be that you end up in number one in your category, but actually there's just no point focusing on that because getting there doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe not nothing, but it's, yeah, it's not the, uh, that one metric that you want to hit. No, no, they no, definitely aren't. Cool, well it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you. Uh, really interesting stuff. Great. yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's been great, stay
1: safe and stay indoors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, all right,
1: cheers. All right, thanks.
0: So, ASO is super important for mobile growth. While a large part of it is in, is improving app store visibility, the actual process is vastly different to that of SEO. You can't apply the same style of think- thinking. In addition to visibility, a key part of ASO is optimization of the app store page for conversion. Once people find your app in the, in the store, you need the right creative, the right descriptions, reviews, everything that you'd use on a web landing page really uh, to ensure that when traffic hits that page, they uh, it clicks the install app button. So even if you thought you don't have the time to focus on an organic strategy and you wanted to grow quickly via paid ads instead, ASO is still key to your strategy. But as James mentioned, Nine out of 10 times, 60 to 70% of their clients' downloads are coming from search. So you can see how vital ASO is for visibility and for growing an app business. Another super important factor is the actual app performance itself. If your sales are low, churn rates high, if people aren't updating your app, uh, these are all factors that would negatively impact your app store ranking. So if your app doesn't match the experience you advertise, or if you rely on really cheap, low quality networks and installs, At best, you'll see a very short term boost in performance, but you're more likely to just do more damage than good. So I think in short, while it's getting harder to make tweaks within the app store to rank higher, it's actually because the app stores are putting a really strong emphasis on the quality of the apps. Get your KPIs right. You know, cost per install has its uses, but at the end of the day, the install doesn't generate you money. So why would you have that as a KPI? As with any business, you need to know what your real KPIs are so that you can optimise both your product and the marketing you do towards the revenue generating results. So if you're thinking of launching an app, there are two key things to consider. Firstly, your app store strategy does need to be different. It does need to be focused on the individual platforms and the different experiences customers have on those platforms. And secondly, quality is key. Quality in everything you do. Your app has to be a quality product that your customers want to keep using spending money on and updating and your marketing needs to be driving quality traffic because not only will cheap traffic not turn into revenue but it will cause damage to your app store presence. That's all for today don't forget to subscribe to future episodes you can do this at customerswhoclick.com where you can also grab my 101 customer journey optimization tips ebook and if you have any questions about ASO and mobile strategy please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com. In the next episode I'll be speaking with David Miltner the head of growth for the DAC region of Fiverr. We'll be talking about growth marketing and the importance of data and taking a more holistic approach to marketing. But until then, keep those customers clicking.